What's up, everybody? You're on Money Moves, and I'm Michael Munsterman. Today's episode, what are you selling again? One of my absolute favorite things to hear people say is, I could never do that. I'm not a salesperson. Oh, I'm not a salesperson. I don't do any selling. I would never be a salesperson. Have you ever said something like that? Think about it. Every single person who we communicate with on some level, there's a sale. In almost every single way that we talk to somebody, every single conversation that we have with people, every single time that we step into the dialogue with someone back and forth, there's some sort of a sale happening. This, this happens between husbands and wives when, you know, for example, my wife absolutely loves to travel. So she will send me a text message every once in a while. She'll, it'll be a picture of when we were in Maui the last time. She'll send me a, a text message with us, you know, on the beaches of Florida, California. She loves the beach. But she thinks in her mind that there's absolutely no way she would ever make a good salesperson. But yet I get these little reminders from her that, hey, just in case you forgot, I love to go to the beach. Here's a picture. Oh, and by the way, in this picture, do you see how happy our girls are and how happy you are? And you see what I, you, this is an easy thing to see where I'm going with, right? Me, I, I'm inside of this world of podcasting and videography and, and creating, you know, the, the Michael Munsterman YouTube channel and, and building out the informationmichaelmunsterman.com. Go check it out. <laughs> inside of all of these things that I'm doing, I'm seeing all sorts of really cool little gadgets, great video equipment, great sound equi- equipment, lighting. We, we just today um, soundproofed our studio and it's just like an entire different space now. But anytime I'm getting ready for a big spend, you know, for example, we bought a $3,000 camera. Um, those kinds of conversations require a little bit of strategic seduction. So I will have a conversation with her and I'll mention this really great piece of tech and what I heard it can do in the marketplace. And then I'll walk away from it for a while. And then I'll circle back around and, oh, did you see this? Let me show you that. Look at this video. It was shot with that camera I told you about. And she'll check it out. And and, and this this exchange happens back and forth. And, and this this happens every single day. Your kids are masters at it. You, you'll tell your children, I want you guys in bed at 930. And at 945, you're standing there saying, I told you I wanted you in bed at 940. And they giggle because they got you. There, there was a sell. And sometimes there's a strategic, like I called it strategic seduction. Sometimes there's that slow cooker. I'm going to be very gentle and, and, and ease my way into the water. My wife's sending me pictures of her favorite vacation spots. We're easing into the sale. And, and then sometimes there's microwave selling, which is like, oh my gosh, I really need this. It's going to be amazing. Please. What do you like? Let's, let's do it. Like, it's going to be great. And just your excitement spills over and you get them hyped up on your energy. And before long you get the quick yes. And then boom, you've sold it. And then sometimes there's like your kids staying up too late. That's like taking a ball and throwing it through the window sale. Like we're just going to do it and we'll suffer the consequences later. 
there's assumptive closing, which is the, if you ever had somebody say to you and they, they never actually come out and say, is this something you'd like to purchase today? And stay, instead they say something along the lines of, wow, you're really going to enjoy that in your home, aren't you? Oh yeah, yeah, that'll be really nice. You just bought it. You don't even know that yet, but the salesman just, he just gave himself a mental high five. You'll hear a salesperson talking to you. We used to sell infrared heaters. We would say to people, the first thing you're going to do when you get home is take this thing out of the box. You're going to plug it into a wall outlet. You're going to turn it on on the front of it just like this and set the thermostat where you're comfortable. Where Where is your thermostat normally set to at your home? 72? Yep, we're going to set it to 72 degrees just like this. Now, here's how it what it's going to do from that point on. And then we talk about the mechanics of it. And we say, guys, the next thing I'm going to have you do is just step right over here and so-and-so is going to get you all set up with your heater for your home. The fact is, is that they had already pictured that heater coming out of the box in their living room. They'd already pictured plugging it in. Plugging it in. They knew exactly what outlet they were going to go to and plug it into. They knew exactly what, what it looked like. They could visualize it in their space. And in that moment, we already won. We were going to have to talk about price and we were going to have to handle the price objections that they've been taught to give since they were little children. Then we were going to have to like we were going to have to talk about the features and benefits and build value in the product. All of that still had to happen, but they'd already mentally bought it. This is a strategic seduction. And so whenever somebody said like that's that is a more intentional selling process. It's it's. It's I have an objective that I want to obtain and you are on, you are in front of me in the obstacle to get to where I want to be. So for these salespeople, most salespeople, most individuals sell like this. There's something I want to have happen and here's what has to happen for me to get what I want. Whether what I want is commission, whether what I want is another piece of cake, whether what I want is 20 more minutes um, before bedtime, or whether what I want is the latest, greatest gadget for my podcast studio. Most people sell the way that I just described. So when I say, what is it you're selling again? Where's that coming from? Here's where that's coming from. Because the way that most people sell is absolutely wrong. You see, a good salesperson doesn't ever have to actually sell. Their ability to sell is based off of their ability to understand where you are today, where you want to be, and how they can help you with that goal, period. Like if a, if a small child could figure out a way to strategically seduce their parents in a manner, and what I mean by that is if they could, if they could convince their parents Look, there's an advantage to allowing me to stay up later than what you're making me go to bed right now. Most parents would do it. Most parents would do it. The fact is, mom, you've had a really long day. And I recognize that part of the reason that you want me to go to bed is so that you can have a few minutes with, of peace and quiet. Like, and, and I haven't plotted this out in my mind where I'm actually going to go with this. But instead, I'll just tell you a quick story. My youngest daughter, Maggie followed in Brooke's footsteps and, and Brooke's our oldest daughter and Brooke had a set bedtime. Bedtime was 8.30. And it, that was Brooke's bedtime until she was probably nine or 10 years old, 8.30. Exact same routine every single day, sun or shine. Like it doesn't matter. Sun, like if, if it's not completely dark outside, it doesn't matter. At 8.30, you're in bed and we're reading to you. 
and we read to you for, you know, typically a book or two or 15, 20, 30 minutes. We're going to read to you at nine o'clock lights are going out and you're going to sleep. Period. Dot the end. And for, for Maggie, we did the exact same thing. It was at 8.30, you're in bed. No questions, no excuses, absolutely no way around it. 8.30 is bedtime. And our intention was to keep it like that until she was 9 or 10 years old, the exact same as we did with Brooke. But when Maggie was 7 years old, she went to school, and they said, we want you to write a, parent, a letter to your parents. And, and you can write it about whatever you want to write it, but we just, this is, we just want you to write a letter to your parents. So Maggie set out on a course of, I'm going to write a letter to my parents that will allow me to stay up a half hour later. And so she did. She wrote this beautiful sales letter to us. And the sales letter basically said, dear mom and dad, I know that you guys work so very hard to make sure that we are good children. And I know that you think that me going to bed at 8.30 gives me enough rest that the next day I can do very good in school. And she continues on this elaborate story from the beginning to the end of how she believes that it's actually just as good, just enough sleep, and she's old enough, and she appreciates time with us, and she feels like she doesn't get enough time with us. And she's like seven years old writing us this letter. Maybe, maybe, maybe she had just turned eight. She was a long ways away from us thinking about letting her stay up later. And she delivers this letter and she's so proud of herself and she's gleaming with excitement or little curls and we're looking at her and we're reading the letter and <clears throat> I didn't, I had no idea what my wife was going to say initially to this and, and she had no idea what I was going to say, but we definitely both agreed we're going to have to talk about this, Maggie. And so she's, she said something along the lines of, okay, I'll let you do that. And she just turned around and left and we're sitting there. And my knee-jerk response to that was, we absolutely 100% have to let her stay up later. She just earned it. Like, this is, this was so beautifully crafted. I don't care what, like, she put reasons in here. She hit her hot buttons. She recognized that. And, and so this conversation of being sold happened to us. And Maggie still to this day, she's perfected her skill. She's much better at it than she was then, but she's still a wonderful salesperson. She doesn't even realize it. She thinks she's on her way to a medical profession. I have my doubts. But you see, the proper way to sell something is recognizing where the person is and acknowledging where they want to be. And so if you start to think about, and when I say selling, let's just break it down to its barest form, that selling is communicating with absolutely anybody with an objective in your mind. That is an objective for you or an objective for them. That communication is sales. And so when you are communicating with somebody about where they are today and where they would like to be, you're selling. And the better you get at painting the picture of where they want to be. In other words, envision this in your mind. So somebody's standing on the edge of a cliff. And they're overlooking this great big like canyon between where they're standing and this destination. This great big, you, you know, sinkhole has just appeared in the middle of the road that they were traveling on. And they don't know how to get across the sinkhole, but they know they need to be on the other side or they think they want to be on the other side or there's something that they want that's on the other side. And you come along and say, wow, I see you're spending a lot of time looking over there on the other side of that sinkhole. Yeah. Yep. So how did you get here? 
Oh, that's really interesting. Tell me about your journey getting here. Oh, that's super fascinating. And ask supporting questions to that. Oh, so you drove. What kind of car did you drive to get here? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And what is it that's important to you that that thing on the other side offers that you think that it will give you? That's phenomenal. You know what? I think I can probably help you with that. And then you begin talking. You begin mapping. You draw a picture in their mind of, of a couple things. One, you draw what life's going to be like if they stay here and they never make it to the other side of that sinkhole. If they never make it to the other side of the canyon, to that other side of the road on the other side of this obstacle. You talk about the pain and the misery and the defeat. Now, it's subtle, but you do it. About what it would life would be like if they were over there. How much better life would be. Those, those points that you mentioned, you're exactly right. Only they're better than what you think. And this conversation evolves strategically. But it's, it's not just about, hey, I'm going to sell you something. It's about, I'm going to help you feel the emotions of what you're going to experience on the other side of this decision, this crater, this canyon. And here's how I'm the person to help you. And this is what really brilliant salespeople do. They don't just say, oh yeah, there's a big canyon. Listen, I'd like to, I'd like to talk to you about going to the other side of that canyon. Nothing pisses me off more than you walk into. And of course, I'm, I'm so in tune to car dealerships, but this is just, it's so blatant. You walk into a car dealership and you've got some guy, he's got a, a gold chain around his neck, pop bellied, feet up on the desk, hands pulled back behind his head. And you walk in and he almost makes you feel like you're being a pain in his butt. What can I do for you today? You sell cars. <laughs> I just walked into your dealership. If you can't figure out what you can do for me, I'm already in the wrong spot. That, that guy, that poor guy has absolutely no idea what his true job in life is. He has no idea how to communicate to somebody appropriately. He doesn't realize that for whatever reason, whatever journey got me to the edge of this crater, I'm standing on the crater saying, I need your help. And all he has to do is recognize I'm standing where I'm standing. I need help where I'm standing. And I'm here because I, I thought that you would get that you're the person to help me. And on the other side of this big old canyon is me leaving in the vehicle that I want. But maybe I have bad credit. Maybe I don't have enough cash down. Maybe I'm worried about sales tax. Maybe I'm worried about insurance. Maybe I'm worried about my payment. Maybe, I'm, maybe I just need somebody to, to coddle me because I could actually jump across the canyon pretty easily and stroke a check. But I just want somebody to give me that little boost of encouragement. But what can I do for you? And this kills me. I spend the most time talking with the salespeople who join my organizations about two things. Thing number one is script. The reason that I want everybody to learn a script in any of the organizations that I've ever owned is because I don't want you to have to think about the story that you need to tell the customer. Here is the story of Munsterman Automotive Group. Here's what happened to get us where we are. Here's what we do that's different. Here's the experience you're going to have. And inside of that script, we eliminate all of the games. Like, look, we're not going to ask you what kind of a payment you want before we tell you the price of our car. We're not going to bring two or three different managers out and play a bunch of ridiculous games. I'm not going to allow anybody in my organization to be critical or nasty or negative to you because you want to sleep on it. We encourage that. 
that's part of our story. That's part of our hook. That's part of what makes us different. And if you don't have that scripted, it comes across as a sales pitch instead of a genuine from the heart. This is exactly the message I want to give you. Every single person who ever walked up to buy an infrared heater from somebody that I had trained who actually followed my training was asked the very first question, the exact same every single time, have you ever heard of infrared light? And that began an elaborate scripting process that went from beginning to end. And if you followed it exactly, the customer recognizing that they needed to save money on their heat, that they enjoyed being warm and that they were either spending too much money or they were cold, would on the other side of that make a decision if they could afford it to buy a heater. And also the, the second thing that I spend more time than absolutely, and this has evolved. I, did, I wasn't savvy enough early in my career to recognize the power of this, but the second thing that I 1 million percent make sure that every single person who sells for me ever recognizes is this. The customer is in front of you because they have a problem. Whether it's true or not, they, their perception is they have a gap. They have this thing and you are the guy to fill it with the product, with the service, with something. They're in front of you because they, because they need this problem fixed and they came here because they believe we were the people to help them fix their problem. They can see the gap. They can see across. They see where they want to be and they're just asking you to, to take them through that journey. Well, Michael, that's really great, but I'm not a salesperson. Fair enough. That's exactly what Joy says to me every single time we talk about sales or selling or, or I encourage her to do something that causes her to stretch beyond that story in her head. But yet, masterfully crafted text messages and images across multiple platforms come to me every single time she begins to get an itch to go on vacation. Subtle at first, slow at first, a, a little bit more aggressive. The ad copy is brilliant that comes along with the images. She'll reach out. She'll talk to me about things that are completely unrelated for weeks on end sometimes. And then she'll plug something very subtly. It'll be a slight mention. I'll walk over and find on, the, on my side of the counter a little seashell next to my hand soap. All of the while, my wife is crafting one of the most strategic seductions that have ever been orchestrated at me, to me. And you know, wives who are listening to this, you already have a hammer, right? You can walk in and say, I'm ready to go on vacation. And here's what it is. But that's not the path she takes. The path she's taking is, I want my husband to take me on vacation and I would really like it to be his idea. It's brilliant. Maggie's been playing a long game on me because there's a specific college she wants to go to. And at first I just shut it down. Absolutely not. No, it doesn't make sense. You're being offered a full ride someplace else. This school hasn't given you a full ride yet. It doesn't make sense. We're not doing that. I watch the game. I'm watching the, the pieces get moved. She's orchestrating them beautifully. And just because of the amount of, of, of attention that she's paying to how she's delivering the multitude of messages to me, how she's stepping in and touching the subject and then stepping out quickly and walking away, coming back, stepping into it again, the strategic seduction game is solid and, and I might reward her for it. 
And maybe the school that she's picking will, they, they tell us scholarshiping information in the next 30 days, so we'll find out. But regardless, like if, like, I'm so proud of, of, the, of recognizing that she's, she gets it. And I want every single one of you to get it. I want you to get that sometimes throwing the ball through the window is not the best way to sell. Sometimes the microwave approach isn't even a good idea. You've got something or someone in your life and there needs to be a major change and you don't know how to communicate that. Well, let's start talking about where they're standing today and how much happier they would be if they were on the other side of this gap that maybe you can see and maybe they can't. What would life be like if you could get them to visualize what life would be like on the other side of this issue? Let's call it, let's, let's use, let's use alcoholism as an example. You've got somebody in your life that drinks way too much. It's out of control. They can't see how bad it truly is, but you see it loud and clear. You're concerned. You're worried. You see repercussions. You see things that they haven't seen yet. And so you have to have a conversation with them. Like, like I, I'm, I'm not crazy enough to, to get on here and say to you, oh, you could talk somebody into not being an alcoholic, right? Like, I get it. But something has to happen to show them how excruciating the pain is where they're standing and paint the possibility of a better tomorrow on the other side of the gap. Normally, that's their own demise. Like it's, 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 the, it's the, pit, the bottom of the pit and the falling to the jagged rocks in the bottom of that sinkhole and, and scraping their skin and cutting themselves and tearing their clothes. It takes that fall before they, they, they look up and they go, oh, I don't want to be down here. But sometimes... People have things going on between spouses or in, in relationships, inside of their jobs, to, to do with their bosses or their pay or whatever that requires a little bit of finesse, a little bit of conversation. You might have to step outside of a story that you're not a salesperson and look at how if you would be strategic in your communication, you could elevate your world. I'm just saying your life is 1 million percent a product of the decisions that you make and the people's lives that you impact typically come on some form of a sale. And that's a hard truth for people to actually acknowledge. Sometimes there's account maintenance. Sometimes there are deposits, sometimes there are withdrawals. But inside of a deposit and inside of a withdrawal, there is an exchange happening. And in 100% transparency, sales are the exact same way. Your insurance agent wants to play golf with you because he wants to spend time with you because he wants to stay in the forefront of your mind because he at some point might have a product that might make sense for you or he just wants you to have that loyalty, that commitment, that touch so that whenever you think, man, this rate's a little high, but boy, I sure do like Mike. Mike is not the name of any of my insurance agents. But you see what I'm saying? Can you see how this could potentially help you, how it could be something that you could apply? And for those of you who are in sales and for those of you who are entrepreneurs, like 
I'm going to go deep on this conversation of the exact path and the formula to where you start somebody emotionally, how you build into that conversation of where they want to go and how you can be the person to bridge that gap with your product or your service or both. And I think that the thing that the marketplace has twisted right now, this is, this is going to be for you salespeople is like, there's this mentality of if I give, then I don't get, but the marketplace right now is proving that giving first precedes receiving. And so what you ought to be doing inside of these different communications and touches with people in your role, they're thinking about how can I be a blessing to these people? How can I make the deposits on the front side? before I ever even think about asking for a withdrawal. Every single day, my wife gets up and does a million things for her family completely selflessly. Like, well, I'll come home and the house will just be clean. The dishes are, are just done. She does absolutely anything that any of us need. And she's just right there. And she has this, like, this spirit of, I want to, like, I, I don't even like the word serve, but she just has this spirit of, I want to take care of my family. We don't ask for it. In fact, she does things that sometimes we don't even notice. But she's all the time making deposits so that when I start to get those images of vacations and when I do get that seashell next to the sink, when I do hear that conversation, she's made so many deposits. If she chooses to make that withdrawal, how can I say no? Why would I want to? I want you to walk away from this podcast and think, how can I apply this to my life? This is a meat and potatoes podcast. Savvy? I be making these